I mean, I love Mariah and Mariah's mm-hmm. phenomenal. But to a certain degree, you don't get Mariah mm-hmm. getting to really become Mariah in the late 90s and early 2000s if you don't have Janet breaking down those barriers of what it means to be a sexual and sexy non-white woman in the public sphere. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And this is for Colored Nerds. The weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture that we rarely discuss in mixed company. All right, Brittany. So today, yes. we are about to talk about this Janet Jackson documentary. Yes. Janet. We know y'all saw it. And I think that it's fair to say that after seeing it, we all have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings that we need to share. So this is going to be our family therapy session for all of us to regroup and discuss the Janet Jackson documentary. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. We can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida mas fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. So, like, let's talk a bit about what, like, the promise of this was. Because they've been hyping this documentary since, like, last year. I think yeah. I started seeing ads for this in, like, September or yeah. August. You may have seen this from Lifetime. This is my story, told by me, not through someone else's eyes. This is the truth. Take it or leave it. Love it or hate it. So when I saw the trailer, I was so excited. I had been waiting for this for months. And when I finally got to see a little taste of what the documentary was going to be like, I was excited because, you know, Janet's a really big deal to me. But also, like, it became very clear as the promotion for the documentary rolled out that Lifetime was taking the documentary very seriously. This doc was a very big deal. They simultaneously broadcasted on Lifetime, the blackening of Lifetime. You heard it here first. And also on A&E. So simul- it's, mm-hmm. it's airing on two networks at the same time. It was a two-night event. And Janet is somebody who usually keeps pretty quiet. So it felt like this was very. a big deal. Absolutely. It's a Janet documentary looking back at her life and career from Janet. It's like executive produced by her and mm-hmm. Randy, you know, who she is, I think is her like closest relationship like of the brothers. Yes. And it was directed by Benjamin Hirsch, you know, who's also done, you know, some other like small documentaries as well. So he's, you know, he's not new to this. So it was a big hyped event about oh, yeah. one of the biggest and most important pop stars like in history ever ever and it also like they have been really also teasing the amount of access that we would get to her because as famous and iconic as janet is she's also extremely private you know you can watch a janet interview you can read a janet interview and still not get that much insight into who she is she's always been extremely private i mean even growing up i remember when the cover of jet read um, Janet Jackson ends 13-year relationship with Renee right. Elizondo, who was her second <laughs> husband. We didn't, Janet, Janet didn't even tell us that she was married. She married this man in 1991. I believe they filed for divorce, I think in 2000 or something like they that. They were married nine the years, broke. yeah. Yeah, and they, yeah. they've been married for nine years. And we didn't even know. I, I don't even think every member of her family knew that they were married at some point or or that they even intended to marry. She's been, she's just a very, very private person. So when they were teasing the level of access we get in this documentary, that was also really exciting. They were like, oh, we've been filming this for five years. You know what I mean? Janet allowing a film crew 
to follow her. And so what it's like, like I'm curious like where your level of expectation because I think it was you who actually talked to me about the documentary <laughs> first. Uh, yeah. so I'm curious like where were you coming into, you know, the four hour event? Where like before you hit play, where are you expecting? I'll be honest, I wasn't so much expecting to see that much of Janet's personal life. Just because mm-hmm. every time Janet has gotten married, with the exception of her first marriage to James DeBarge, um, she usually doesn't tell us <laughs> when she was married to her <laughs> uh, most recent husband, Wissam, Qatari she billionaire. hard to avoid. Yeah. yeah, like even talk about that, brother. No, oh, uh-uh. like we found out again after she'd been married for like a year. <laughs> Like, Janet keeps mom about a lot of things. So I wasn't expecting for her to, like, open up and give us a bunch. I was expecting something kind of in the vein of maybe similar to, like, a Beyonce-type documentary where we get mm-hmm. some insight into the personal life, very carefully curated insights into her personal life, while also just getting a lot of footage of her process and her reflection on her previous eras and her process, mm-hmm. creative process of basically producing all the work that she's given us over Mm -hmm. the years, while also maybe fielding questions and kind of putting certain things to bed. I expected for this documentary to be sort of like both the final word from her and the first brick Mm -hmm. as far as like a foundation of her legacy that will outlive her. If that makes sense? No, it does. It does. I think, honestly, I was looking for the same thing. I wasn't expecting to learn a ton about her personal life. But I did want to understand more of her personality. She's always been, you know, to your point, very private and very also just like soft spoken. But yes, I mean, we all know like there, like if you see Janet perform one time, you know that like she is not soft spoken. Like, you know, so she has <laughs> no. a, there's a fire inside that like just comes out and it's ferocious. And so, you know, I was hoping just to see a bit more of her personality in the way that actually with like the Whitney documentary, for example, um, I felt like I got a much better idea of like just who Whitney was in her like day to day. Yeah. Um, and so I was just hoping for like that on top of the things that you said. But it feels like a good, maybe that's a good <laughs> moment to pivot to like what you think we got and like what your reactions were. I know we have a bunch. To yeah. I guess to summarize what we got, obviously the, the movie was directed by Benjamin Hirsch, but Janet, as you mentioned, and Randy were both EPs on the project. So at the end of the day, I think that we saw what Janet wanted us to see. Yes. I think what we actually wanted to see and what Janet wanted to tell us did not necessarily match up. Mm. This is a doc that obviously covered a lot of areas of her life from her childhood, you know, through the control and rhythm nation eras. There was a lot of focus on those. Janet, the album like the album and like, you know, with the her, you know, Renee covering her breasts and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The album. Janet and Velvet Rope, two of her most influential and creative albums were actually lumped together. They just went basically straight from those to like her divorce, All For You, mm-hmm. Nipplegate, Tyler Perry, Michael's Death. And then to this stage of her career, like what we got to me felt a lot more of like a, like a biography, like a biographical yeah. documentary with emphasis on areas of her life that I maybe didn't need. Brittany, you have never wanted to understand the, the true behind-the-scenes story of how Janet got to be cast and why did I get married? <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been a thing that has been on the tip, like just in the back <laughs> of your right. brain I said for years? That's why I too did, because that's what I wanted to hear. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> I wanted to know a lot more about like, oh, how was it to come off of the velvet rope and go through your divorce mm. and then basically hit the scene again as a single woman and as an artist with All For You in the early 2000s as somebody who was over 30, which is not a big deal, but like in being a pop singer, that is, you know, that can be a significant moment in your career, like that you can feel a lot of pressure. There was all these things I wanted to know about. And I was like, I heard from Tyler Perry a few too many times, honestly, for my liking. (laughs) But yeah, it was very interesting because I was, it, it was surprising to me what she wanted to focus on as opposed to, I think, what a lot of us wanted, which was a little bit more of like her process and her art mm-hmm. history. You know what I'm saying? I want to know more about her artistry. The same. I was actually kind of mad. I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, my first reaction is often anger, but uh, <laughs> it's, I was sitting there like, I was frustrated. I want to be respectful because Jana produced this. Yeah. But I just felt she deserved and was capable of better. It's just Janet fucking Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Janet Jackson. There is nobody that like that name doesn't signify, or at least who's been around in the past like 
45, maybe 50 years, who that name doesn't signify something significant for when it comes mm-hmm. to like contribution of music, contributions to black culture, understanding black women who have pushed forward ideas about sexuality, femininity. Mm-hmm. Hell, you go down the line. And this is shit that mm-hmm. I'm cognizant of, just like from my vantage point, you know? I can't imagine. There's probably <laughs> yeah. a, a lot deeper relationship for like, you know, um, like millions of black women out there for her. She is that girl. And we've She's been waiting girl. for a minute. And I just, when we got here, I was just like, oh, okay. I felt like the, in her mind, there was another documentary that gave us mm. the artistry mm-hmm. that like this didn't have to do that. But that's bizarre because there isn't another thing that foregrounds her. And even this one didn't really foreground her. It felt like she was attempting to look at herself through our eyes as a celebrity and almost seeming to forget that we, especially those of us who are going to show up for the four-hour documentary event, (laughs) we see her as an icon. And Mm -hmm. she's always been so private. You know what I mean? Like, I think that most of us were not expecting for her to give us her heart on a platter. Uh, What I know that I wanted was for her to really stake her claim as an icon and say, like, I'm an icon. I'm a legend. I'm an artist. And this is how I made myself. That's something that I think happens in a lot of music documentary. And I wish that I had seen a little bit more of that. She was really thinking about, I think, the Janet narrative. I felt like this was more about the Janet narrative as opposed to, like, really staking her claim as Janet, the artist, the icon. Like there was a lot of focus on control and her sort of breaking out of her family structure, breaking out of the Jacksons Mm -hmm. and breaking out from under her father's management. And still the rest of the documentary focuses a lot on her relationships to like her romantic relationships to the men in her life. Some of her collaborations with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, which I could have used more of and I love them. I'm like, there's not enough. (laughs) But also her relationship to Joe Jackson, her father, and to Michael Jackson, her brother. It's interesting because like she to me is somebody who I really actually, despite all of those things, I always have seen her as somebody who's so independent. And I don't think that she could have had the career that that she's had if she wasn't a truly remarkable, hardworking visionary. Um, but I still felt like the story was still tied to all these men in this way that I was like, I think this is what you want to get away from. And yet it's still yeah. here in the documentary. They speak to it and then ignore the lesson in the documentary, pretty literally. The point in which she is uh, kind of entering her control era. They didn't even mention the key. You know, like this is like, that's such a like yeah. big, iconic piece of like that the relationship that she had with herself and how she translates mm-hmm. kind of her thoughts into aesthetics, which, you know, are big for Janet. But like at that control portion of the doc, they talk about how important it was for her to leave the like care and guidance of her father. And mm-hmm. she comes to a point, and this was a part where I started to feel like sometimes the doc was like a little cheap. It ended on this like cliffhanger. I knew I had to get away from my father. I wanted to be able to stand on my own feet. And at that time, I felt that there was no other way I would be able to kind of get my own life. Unless I got married. Commercial break. And I'm just like, wait, 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 come on. That's okay. And sure, that might be true. I think that was actually true of the Jackson family. And it is true of a lot of, because remember, they was Jehovah's Witnesses. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, that's true of a lot of, you know, conservative religious families. Very often, for sometimes the men too, but definitely for the women, very often the only way to leave the family is through marriage. But hear me out. I think that the, it's maybe not weird that she says that, but the part that was awkward or bizarre to me was that after that marriage ends, they then pivot to kind of like really closely to tying her to Renee. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to let, let like like that they didn't speak to the you know the potential of the pattern there, exercised or not, of her needing to escape one thing, being out of that for a small time, and kind of getting into a relationship with someone else. And I just thought that could there could have been a bit mm-hmm. more interrogation of that, and it didn't have to be such a like significant storytelling device. You know, shit. Even Renee, we know she don't fuck with Renee that much. I felt like we heard from Renee a yeah. lot. I will say there was yeah. a lot of never before seen behind the scenes footage because Renee had been basically <laughs> f- 
Like Corny. taking video of every moment of their relationship. Everything. Everything. And it, I saw this comment from Naima Cochran on Twitter. It wasn't for the memories. He was doing it because he thought that, you know, she was going to be bigger than she yeah. already was and that he wanted to be the person that had that video. Forward thinking. I will give him that credit, but also he wasn't good for her and he definitely had his own issues with control and wanting to ride her coattails. I thought it was interesting that we spent as much time with Renee as we did. That felt to me like something that was included and focused on in the documentary because it was something that maybe she didn't share with us at the time, like because we didn't know anything about their marriage at the time. But it's like, girl, like y'all been divorced for over 20 years. Like, I didn't think I was ever going to get anything. The appetite for the information has died down. Yeah. So I didn't actually really need... We didn't even know they were um, married for the longest. <laughs> exactly. So I just was like, that's your business. I don't need to know all of it. We see throughout the documentary that Janet changes management. She changes just about everything but her producers mm-hmm. over yeah. and over and over again throughout her career. The main thing, the main common denominator and everything is her. And I felt Mm -hmm. like she maybe gave herself the least amount of credit for her career in her own documentary. You said she kind of spoke to it. I don't know that I actually heard it of her being like, I am one of the greatest pop stars of all time. I know, or just like, I know my contribution to music is indefinite. It was shocking to have someone who is so artistically confident Mm -hmm. not express any of it. Mm-hmm. And I, j- I also just didn't know maybe where that comes from. Is that like a, is that purely a Jackson thing? Mm, I think it's, they are, I think it's they a couple They were always things. humble. They were always very humble, quote unquote. They were always very humble. I think part of it is, you know, growing up in an abusive home. I know that Janet said the opposite in this documentary, which we can get to in a second, but I think there's no bones about it. Joe Jackson was an abusive father. And I think that that is part of it. I think that when you grow up in that sort of environment, that it becomes a part of the fabric of how you think of yourself. If you always have somebody who's belittling you or who, you know, something you might feel, especially if you're a child, that something about you is making them upset um, or there's something wrong with you. I think that that probably affects how you think about yourself. And also too, she wasn't in relationships with any guys who treated her very nicely. Like even like Mm. the person who she loved the most and who she claims, you know, she showed as having the most respect for Jermaine Dupree, who did do some nice things for him. Not going to lie. I did feel like they Mm. were definitely in love at some point. He ends up cheating on her because he's like, oh, you go out with Janet Jackson and all of a sudden other women go out with you. And it's like, you are fucking 40 years old. Like have some respect for yourself, Lord. But never seems like she was in great relationships. And she had a rough upbringing. And then additionally, her brother was Michael Jackson, who is one of the most divisive, (laughs) but also one of the most popular and artistically, prodigiously talented Mm -hmm. performers of all time. So it's like if you're under your father's thumb, you're getting bad reinforcement through your relationships. And then also your older sibling is probably the greatest pop singer and performer of all time. It's like, and and you're living in their shadow, like, and also he's, as she mentions in the documentary, calling you all all sorts of terrible names. And also as he becomes more famous, holding you at arm's length, Mm -hmm. it's like, I could sort of see her never maybe having the support system that she needed to really nurture that part of herself, that confidence, I guess. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that like a part of me that was maybe shocked is for someone who is so clear aesthetically and like creatively and artistically, I was expecting a bit more clarity on like how she sees that in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and how she like looks back on that. That I think is what was maybe so strange. When she is on stage, she knows Ooh. she has us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. even for even like they even demonstrate one of the things I really appreciated was them to kind of talking about like the bringing the audience member on stage thing. Yeah. I remember everything. seeing that Velvet Rope segment on HBO when I wasn't supposed to be watching it. <laughs> There's something that I want you to use. And I want you to use it like you've never used it before. It was so good. And it like, I was like, oh my God, is this my sexual awakening? Like, it was amazing. It's like a normal yeah. part mm-hmm. of concerts now. And that was, again, all about the control that Janet had 
and the power that Janet had in the relationship with her like fans uh, and the music. I know she is thinking with some depth about these things. But I just wanted to like hear a bit more contextualization of how she sees that. Because for us, they are everything. I just okay. wanted to hear more from her about that. I wanted to hear more about that from her too, because it's clear that she is a magnificent singular artist, right? Like she was a great solo artist. She's given us so much. But part of, I think, where things kind of got lost in translation, I think, in Mm -hmm. the documentary is that she's still very much a Jackson of the Jacksons. Mm -hmm. And so one of the other aspects of the documentary that I was not expecting, it was very unexpected for me, was I I knew that she was going to have to do some rehabilitation of the Jackson name. I did not know there would be as much of that as there was. Granted, you and I are both Black millennials who have each mm-hmm. probably seen the Jacksons in American Dream. <laughs> probably like account. hundreds of times, <laughs> right, in our lifetime. Yeah. And that is a fictionalized, made-for-TV movie from the 90s. That depicts like Joe Jackson as an abusive father. And that account, I think, is supported by at least some of the Jackson kids. And additionally, mm-hmm. like, that is Michael's account and Mm -hmm. we grew up with that. But I also like that account hasn't necessarily been strongly disputed by, to me, anybody else really, but Janet. And throughout the years, Janet has always said, Oh, our father was hard on us, blah, 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 blah. I was expecting, okay, this is your documentary time to let the chopper sing. Who was Joe? And she makes him sound as if he was just a tough love father. And we all know that's not the case. Yeah, to your point, like I didn't expect it. I think like the the story had been settled on Joe and nobody was really asking for him to have more nuance, but more so it w- I think what we have wanted is to understand how people actually experienced it. I, I think we can see the effects of Michael Jackson's childhood on like his life. And I think Janet has been obviously more successful at navigating her career and her public life post her uh, childhood relationship with her brothers and her father and her mm-hmm. parents. But the only thing I wanted to know was how she actually experienced that. Like, what was it like for you when it was hard? Yeah, when he did come down hard on your brothers. I don't know, was he also coming down equally as hard on you? You know, this group of siblings went through a traumatic, abusive situation and channeled it into creating some of the most amazing musical products of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, they should not have had to do it under those circumstances, but damn, I would want to understand how, like, how you have to do that work and what, where that leaves you after you've done it. And yeah. it was just like, fuck, man. Yeah, we didn't yeah. get none of that. It wasn't just Joe though that she spent a lot of time focusing on. Like, mm-hmm. it was interesting and it kind of insightful, I think, to see her close relationship with Randy, one of her other brothers, and to yeah. hear from Tito, um, mm-hmm. and also, of course, Rebe. Uh, who looked good. Just Reby. the most we ever heard from Reby. I feel like Reby looked damn good for 71. She looked Woo! very good. But yeah, there was just a lot of focus on her brothers and like the Jackson 5 and her kind of like coming up after them, which I think is important to understand mm-hmm. like how she ended up in show business in the first place. But I, I still felt like the documentary focused a lot on them, especially Michael. Yeah, I've been um, waiting to get to this one. Yeah, and that part, I mean- In the documentary, she definitely doubles down on supporting Michael, despite Mm -hmm. his many allegations of child molestation, um, which are very serious and have definitely thrown his uh, well-documented, very serious, and have thrown his legacy into somewhere. I don't know. I can't can't even fully describe (laughs) how, how to even think about Michael Jackson at this point, but I wouldn't have been surprised if now that Michael's been dead for so many years and many of the allegations have been pretty credible, I wouldn't have been surprised if Janet had done some softening of her language around her support of her brother now that he's been gone. Um, But she doubled down saying that she does not believe that he did it. Her brother doesn't have that in him, so on and so forth. But what was interesting is that while she said that, right, while she's Mm -hmm. defending her long dead brother in the face of some pretty credible child molestation allegations. And even if some people don't believe that we were all there, he was doing a lot of strange things around kids that like, Mm. isn't normal or okay. And admitted to that, (laughs) like she at the same time throughout the documentary 
expresses how distant she and Michael actually were from each other, yes. which was weird. Like it, it was interesting to me and weird that those things were happening at the same time. She's like, I believe Michael, but also Michael was over there. I was over here. I didn't even know what he was doing, which is to me, it kind of felt like the first time that that was a big part of the public Janet Jackson narrative. Oh, what about you? Absolutely. I was pretty shocked. I had not seen her ever create that much distance between her and Michael. And that was actually something that was really, uh, talk about things that kind of make you kind of retcon, like the Mm -hmm. version of, you know, uh, of things that you have seen growing up. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this starts to make a lot more sense. You know, like she made it a point to say that they had been distant. I wouldn't necessarily call it estranged, but it seemed like close to that since Thriller. Thriller is like, you know, yeah. it's still fairly early in the Michael Jackson rise, you yeah. know? And if you think about where she was when Thriller came out, you know, also on the cusp of like, you know, I, I wouldn't know if I would call it the peak of her stardom, but coming into like the idea of a pop star we know today around that time too, it's just mm-hmm. so bizarre that at the moment where they were kind of like at their peak, that's where she roots the split. And mm. I thought it was very... um I don't know if the word smart, I don't, I'm not trying to make it seem like Jan was calculating, but it does seem to provide a convenient amount of distance from the need to like interrogate who he might have been more mm. deeply. Like you can mm. say, I have this idea of my brother. I don't think he is capable of that. But you also are also saying to me that you don't know him very well. Mm-hmm. And that you guys have not been close for a significant amount of years. Yeah. And he, like, takes digs at you and is, like, you know, kind of has this, like, cold war, you know, in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, competition. Even seeing, like, Scream, you know, like, what we thought of as, like, a pinnacle of their, like, power together. Yeah. For her, she was, like... Man, they like they were. He was kind of shitty to me the whole time. And also, why clarifying why he wanted to do a song with her at that point? Yeah, he was. His public image was in a bad place. Obviously, by the time we get to the late '90s, mid '90s, because of the child molestation allegations, and he needed Janet's image, which at that point was golden, right? He needed Janet's image and Janet's fame and popularity to be able to kind of like gloss over (laughs) Mm -hmm. everything that was happening with him at that moment in time. And he actually needed her at that point more than she needed him. But she felt when they were making that song and that video together that his behavior was telling a different story. Watching it made me want to understand more stuff singularly about Michael in the doc, they acknowledge that like, you know, a component of this was maybe even the people around him keeping them distant or fueling some of the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still made me sad for what I think for this being a spot where I'm supposed to like learn more about Janet. We, we got to hear her express frustration of being guilty by association. Yeah. But like, I kind of want to, I, I think there's another beat, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like it's not just guilty by association you put your career on the line mm-hmm. um, to help someone to help your siblings help your brother who is in one of the worst controversies and like periods you could have and he was a dick to you about it and then that song was a number one hit for like how many fucking weeks or months yeah and also like she also as a person as a sister could have declined to support or help him in that moment. And I don't think that necessarily would have been wrong. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she could have said no. She, she could have said no. like, I don't know what you did. She's Exactly. And, she could have been like, I don't you. know what you did. You've been on TV telling people that you were sleeping in the bed with kids. I don't want any part of that. I mean, I don't know. It, there's obviously a lot about their relationship that is very complex. When you just said now that this made you more curious about like Michael. Mm-hmm. This actually made me more curious. That specific aspect of the documentary made me a lot more curious about the overall Jackson family dynamic. Yeah. It felt like with all of the family messaging, like she still felt responsible for mm-hmm. 
messaging for the entire family's behavior and the entire yeah. family's legacy. And again, this is about her. Like her father has been dead. Her brother mm-hmm. is dead. She's a 55-year-old woman with a child of her own who's mm-hmm. grown. She's been married three times. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's usually the point in a person's, your average person's life where they kind of just you know what I'm saying? They you say can, what they you, need to say. You can let it go. We all yeah. see Chrissy Jones out here letting it rip. <laughs> like it says a lot to me about the Jackson family dynamic that yeah. so much was focused on her on the Jackson family in the way that it was focused and with such confusing, contradictory messaging throughout. I was like, girl, you do not owe these people <laughs> anything anymore at this point. You've done enough. <laughs> You've done enough. You've done enough. That actually feels like maybe a good spot to take a break. Because when we come back, we're going to talk about just what they could have got to. Yes. And the things that we liked, like the things that we love to see. So stick around after the break. It's going to be a Janet Love Fest. Yes. A little more critique. (laughs) A little more critique of the doc. Of the doc. But love for Janet. (laughs) eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. It's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Welcome back. Welcome back. So uh, we, we promised you when we came back that there were some things that like we liked and we felt like we wanted maybe more of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where did that start for you? <sighs> what I wanted more of was just the art. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like the art. Janet is one of those few artists who is a true chameleon with their look. And yeah. not just a chameleon for chameleon's sake. I love Rihanna, but Rihanna is somebody who changes up her look all the time just to suit her mood or who she, how she wants to express herself. And I love that. But her looks don't always match up with a completely like up reupholstered aesthetic sonically mm-hmm. visually and choreographically <laughs> and I'm Janet did that <laughs> Janet was giving you every single like era of her uh, artistic career she has given us fresh visuals fresh music um, a fresh perspective on who she is and how she sees mm-hmm. the world New hair, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> new hair, a new way of dressing. I mean, she ha- she didn't just like, she changes herself up completely every single time she hits the world with her music. And I wanted to see more about how 
she constructs herself in that way. I'm not going to lie. It was interesting for me to learn about how she collaborates with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, her longtime mm-hmm. collaborators, founders of the time, of Morris Day yeah. at the time, like architects of the Minneapolis sound. They're legends. And Janet is part of why they're legendary. Yeah. I loved learning how they work together. It was actually interesting, I will say, to a certain degree, to learn how she and her second husband, Renee Elizondo, work together and sort to sort of construct her image. But again, the common denominator there is Janet. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear more from Janet about how she was feeling at that point in her life, how she was growing up, how she was growing in mm-hmm. her sexuality or in her confidence or independence. I wanted to know how, where she was at and how she was pushing that through in her music. I saw people say online, well, if you want to watch behind the scenes of Janet's music, then like you can go find those things. And it's like, yeah, I watched the same behind the scenes specials, whether they were on HBO through her concerts or on MTV or VH1, I watched the, or wherever, I watched the same ones as everybody else. I watched, grew up watching her interviews and reading her interviews and seeing her magazine spreads and going to her concert and everything like that. But there's something about when you put your artistry together and you properly mm-hmm. contextualize it, mm-hmm. right? That to me is what makes your legacy. And I felt like Janet has given us a lot over the years as far as some insight into her process, but I would have loved to have seen 55-year-old Janet putting us in 19-year-old Janet, 27-year-old Janet, 36-year-old Janet shoes as a creative and an artist over and over and over again. I wanted more of that because like, I don't know, like you said, Janet is that girl. I'm not gonna lie. She don't talk to us a lot. So I'm grateful she gave us anything at all. Cause she don't, Janet don't fuck with us like that. She will not speak to us. She don't, she really don't. She don't, she don't like to talk to us. But I did want to have more of the art, especially because as a songwriter and as somebody who is crafting her own image, like as a woman in the music industry, so frequently we see it all the time. Women's contributions Mm -hmm. are undermined and they're downplayed. A lot of times like the narrative comes out, oh, well, these guys, you know, they produced her music or they, this person directed her video and this person did her costumes. And a lot of times, even some of the most influential female stars who are obviously, (laughs) you know, putting in the work to shape their own image, their credit is given away by the public to other people. So I wish that Janet had shown us even more of the art, like the sort of behind the scenes artistry that we got to see because that's your legacy. Like Mm -hmm. that's showing people, no, I was in the studio. No, I can sing. I was writing these songs. I was in rehearsal. Like I was deciding what I was going to look like, you know, like I wish that I could have seen a little bit more of Janet, the artist in her reflecting back on how she developed as an artist over the years. I completely agree. I think that there's like micro and the macro of that. Like I think the micro or or Jimmy Jam, I think, or Terry Lewis, one of the two, was talking about Janet coming to them for control. And they were like, one of the big things that they did was just say, hey, what do you want to write songs about? (laughs) What do you want to, like, what do you want to sing about? What do you want it to be? And we don't actually get her cutting. We don't, like, what would have been amazing is to get a yeah. cut to Janet telling us, how, like, what she was thinking about and how she wanted to thread that yes. needle. You know, how she was flirting with, like, having songs like Let's Wait a While. But then also, you know, kind of starting to step into her nasty era a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, it's just interesting to, I would have loved to just hear a tiny bit more, to your point, with, a, with the added benefit of hindsight, she has clearly learned so much. Mm-hmm. She's exposed to so much. And mm-hmm. I just want to hear her look back, back at her music on the macro level. I think like, like my favorite things about what you just said was like, you know, so many of these current pop stars, what they are doing, that inspiration is attributed to other people. Let's be, let's be straight up, namely Madonna. And like, I think that it was even interesting to have so much of her aesthetic transformations be subtext mm-hmm. still come through like wow this is really janet who really set a lot of or, or felt like they set that tone in comparison to madonna who's like i would say it didn't like her transformations didn't always connect so i feel like people will attribute you know a lot of the ideas about like what it means to be uh, a pop star at the like at the kind of the highest level mm-hmm. to Madonna. And I just want her to say it with her chest that it's like, it's, it's her um, because she's seen, yes. she's done the work. It's very visible. You know, it's always been even more additive than, you know, where Madonna has had, you know, has been plagued by consistent accusations of like 
a more appropriative yes. version of yes. seeking out those aesthetics. Yes, yes. The thing that's remarkable about Janet, and I'm so glad that you brought that up, that like people aren't properly attributing legacy like they're like, well, I mean, I think the artists do. I think that like mm-hmm. Beyonce, yeah. Britney, all these girls, they do give Janet credit. But I think that public education, mm-hmm. by public education, I mean VH1, not doing what it used to do <laughs> in the 90s. And so a lot of these younger people, they don't get it. You don't get so many of these women. You, I mean, I love Mariah and Mariah's mm-hmm. phenomenal. But to a certain degree, you don't get Mariah Mm-hmm. getting to really become Mariah in the late 90s and early 2000s if you don't have Janet breaking down those barriers of what it means to be a sexual and sexy non-white woman in the public sphere. Like, yes, Madonna did a lot of things, right? But so much about Madonna's sexuality was about shock. And mm-hmm. that's a very white way to think about women's sexuality. Isn't it shocking that I have sex? Isn't it mm-hmm. shocking? Aren't you shocked? I'm pretending to masturbate on stage. Isn't that shocking? It's like, there's no, like to me, there's nothing cornier or more one note than that sort of like very lily white woman's way of thinking about what is sexy. It is so corny to me. Janet's approach to her sexuality and sharing that with us was so much more organic, personal, transformational, exciting, titillating, intellectual, uh, emotional. It wasn't about anybody else but her. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Bingo. And that is so much more revolutionary, not just for Black women, but for all women. Yeah. <laughs> it's much more revolutionary to be like, what is sexy to me? What feels good mm-hmm. to me? Like, what? when do I feel sexier? When do I feel good? Um, at this moment in time, our producer Alexis is typing if <laughs> with five <laughs> exclamation points into our episode document. I mean, that video, a little cult- culturally appropriate. I'm not going to lie. Janet did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a smattering <laughs> mm-hmm. of Orientalism <laughs> in the video. Mm. But that whole era, though, like the what she was talking about in that song, it was yeah. a lot more about how she's expressing herself through assuming different roles in her sex life. Mm-hmm. That's what the whole album was about. Uh, and I think that that's so much deeper than anything that that any white woman has ever given us creatively, truthfully. That's my truth. That's my truth. That's my and truth. And it's not what I, I, I am empowered to rebut. I think, you know, I think it's, I mean, nor should I. I mean, to be honest, like I root so much of understanding, I think a more like youthful feminine sexuality directly to Janet Jackson, mm-hmm. directly to Janet Jackson mm-hmm. in terms of like the type of people who we would be exposed to who are discussing sex in a way that is not to your point. It's not necessarily meant to, it's not meant to be provocative. You're not trying to provoke. You're not trying to shock she is trying to communicate where she's at. She's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm a Taurus. Like, you know, I like a part <laughs> of who I am is nasty. And like, you know, and like that's got to come out. It's intrinsic to who I am. And she's just like, you know, this is what it is. I'm going to, and I want to take you into that. And that should be okay. Like, you know, she's trying to like make space for wherever she is in the journey of her life and sexuality. And I think that, is a remarkable thing to have gotten to consistently experience for a woman at almost every part of her life's journey mm-hmm. um, as one has been so clear. So yeah, I, I, I just wanted a bit more of that. And then just in general, how like, you know, we're talking about sexuality. Obviously, it's important to that. But another thing that kind of came up and it's a little more kind of complicated was how even little they focused on like how important Janet's like body is. Mm-hmm. And I hate to like, talk about it as almost if she's not connected to it. But like, even if you think about something like a nipple gate, um, <sighs> but like something we, we talked about, which was like her all for you era where like, you know, Janet basically reinvented female abs um, for better or for worse, you know? <laughs> but just like, there's so many aspects uh, that were her discussed and dissected of her celebrity and her like uh, stardom that like, Yeah, just like, give me a little bit of it. Tell me what I need to know. You heard her allude to how challenging her relationship with food and like body image was. Mm -hmm. But I just want, you know, I I think it would have done a, you know, a great service. She doesn't have to, but it would have done a great service to understand 
how Janet, the biggest, you know, star, had mm-hmm. navigated that. Yeah, I, it's interesting because, like, over the years, when reading interviews with her, like, my whole life, she's been a lot more forthright in talking about some of her body image issues and, like, some of the diets that she was, I don't want to say forced, but not not forced to be put on um, throughout her career to look a certain way. But I think a, a big part of her initial transformation, probably from control, I think from control to like Rhythm Nation and definitely beyond that, Janet, was her getting smaller, you know, mm-hmm. like was yeah. like taking off like the big blazers and leggings and all that stuff that they had her in in the mid 80s until, you know, we get to the the early 90s, mid 90s, and she's got her navel exposed and her weight, like waist wear, you know, mm-hmm. while those images are exciting, right? And all of them are exciting, right? Yeah. They still do tell a story mm-hmm. along with the interviews that she's given over the years of how her body and how she looks and, and her body size have been closely tied to, or at least maybe she felt that they were closely tied to her success or her chances for success and how people thought about her as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I They touched on it a little bit, but I feel like I've heard her touch on it more in the past. So I was surprised that it didn't really come up. I mean, she's been open about it over the years. So maybe she felt like she didn't want to touch on it so much now. All of these things have been hugely up for comment. And Nipplegate, like as you mentioned, that was maybe the biggest moment where that's ever happened. You know, it's 2004 at the Super Bowl. We all know what happened. Justin Timberlake, wardrobe malfunction, titties out, nipples out, had the nipple ring on. Mm. It was cute. Yeah. Um, I remember it happened at the time and I like didn't, we like saw it. I was like, oh, I think I saw her breast. And we were all like, oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like we just yeah. all kept watching the Super Bowl. Nobody cared. I think it was like 15 or something like that. I didn't care. No one cared. There were that- kids around. We didn't care. I will say just as like, you know, around that time, teenage boys, it was a moment. Uh, oh. But it wasn't a moment oh. uh, for like how the world responded to it. It yeah. was like, you know what I'm saying? It was like, we, yeah. what gift we have been given as opposed to like <laughs> how we, you know, we have all been collectively traumatized by this like Black Jezebel. At that moment, I remember being surprised by the press, freaking out about it. It just didn't seem like a huge deal to me. So then at the moment, I mean, in the time immediately after that moment, seeing how the press was freaking out about it, I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, But then I think even then that still kind of, for me, faded in the background, probably because we didn't watch a bunch of Fox News in my house. But the response to it was so racialized in hindsight. Like looking back at those clips, like you said, we saw this black titty, a brown Mm -hmm. nipple (laughs) out here from this black Jezebel. And- these white people lost they goddamn minds. It became this whole, whole huge moment, moral panic over seeing a black woman's breast. But I don't think we can discount like what the Super Bowl itself represents. Ugh. And, you know, it's kind of the one of the biggest, if not the biggest sporting event that attracts like all of, you know, a, a pretty conservative, like, like puritanical white audience mm-hmm. is like deeply entrenched in football. But what's unique about that is that's a place where everybody else, it's a game where everybody else kind of comes and shows too. And so you're giving a black woman this stage. It's her show, her halftime show, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, she gets to come on and be Miss Janet if she's nasty. And then <laughs> you see her breast. Gener- I think it was too much yeah. uh, for them. And it is, you know, it was wild, I think, to kind of hear how much anger there was for something that was so fast. And that no one could, no one, if it seemed like, was allowed to forget it. But weirdly enough, though, none of the racialization of that moment mm-hmm. appears in the documentary. She could have gone a lot harder with the claims of misogyny, racism, sexism than she actually did in the documentary. She just kind of made it seem like it was this really unfortunate situation that was like taken, obviously blown out of proportion. But I think that she could have taken people a little bit more to task with how they treated her um, because that stuff really derailed her career. Also, like, just one last thought about, like, Janet's sexuality and also about Nipplegate. I think part of also another reason why maybe Black women, myself included, were so interested in this documentary, but also, like, why Janet's, like, the way that she expresses her sexuality has been so meaningful for so many of us is that, like, Janet started off in the public eye a young girl, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And so a child. 
a child, literally a, yeah. an actual child. And to see her start off as a child and then grow before our eyes over time, right? Like, yes, Beyonce started pretty young. Rihanna started pretty young. But they had these more vixenish teenage images, truly, yeah. when they got started. Janet started off with a little baby bun. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, she yeah. was a kid. Um, she had to reclaim her sexuality in public in front of her family. She's from mm-hmm. a very famous known family, right? Multiple times. Multiple times. And that's kind of similar, I think, to how a lot of Black women feel in general. Not so much like, mm. I'm reclaiming my sexuality in front of my family. Did you wear a key? Were you wearing keys <laughs> Was and I- doing the Black cat rip your, <laughs> like, show your bra? <laughs> I wasn't doing that. But I do think that, like, there is something that I identify with even though I'm not Janet <laughs> by any means, and I'm not from a family like the Jacksons. Lord Jesus, thank you. But um, I think that all a lot of Black women had to go through some sort of journey of independence. Like, it's rocky terrain going from mm-hmm. girl to woman as a Black woman. Okay, and yeah. what people think about you. It's like, if you express yourself, you're fast. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not fast then you better be sped up by the time you're 23 because you got to start looking for a husband. Your family's going to start asking you where the kid's at. Like, there's no way to sort of like date or be an adult. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. it's hard to to let people just let you be a woman. And, it, and it, there is a transition of breaking out of your family in that way that I think a lot of us can relate to. And I think that's part of the reason also why Janet's sexuality and the way that she depicts it has been so sacred for a lot of us. So then to see that become something that she was so celebrated for and then have that same thing be something that she was vilified for, unfortunately, also feels really familiar to a lot of Black women. And I think that like it was a missed opportunity by them not bringing the macro racial element of that into the documentary because like so many Black women know what it feels like to have your sexuality misread. Mm-hmm. to have sexuality foisted upon your body when you, that's not what you're offering, yeah. or to have the way that you're expressing your sexuality consensually be misconstrued by other people. Mm. And even though it was this huge public moment that obviously involved really only Janet Jackson, um, for better or for worse, when I think about that event, like I have an emotional response because mm-hmm. I can identify with some of that. And I think that I'm not alone and feeling that way as a black woman. And I wish that that had been explored more. Like even to pull that out a little bit, I think that's such an amazing point. Um, and it speaks to kind of what another thing I think felt like a, a strange disconnect or just again, a missed opportunity is to talk more about us. You know, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like I felt like there was a, there was communication about like blackness in, in the first episode, exploring mm-hmm. the Jackson 5, exploring kind of like what that, context was like where they were coming into the the neighborhood that they lived in etc but the jacksons in particular i think have you know their stardom and their legacy is one that is by definition bifurcated you Mm. know it's like Mm -hmm. there is the massive superstardom that they have all almost like they have all achieved you know across the world Mm -hmm. and then there's also what they mean to black people Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm naming, you know, like the canon, like <laughs> fucking Jackson's The American Dream, this TV movie, mm-hmm. like is in the same vein, or is in the same list as like Eyes on the Prize. Oh, uh, you know, I'm just saying like, what, what, no, but what that? It's, we all know it. We, we all know it. It is like a definitive text. <laughs> In black culture <laughs> of this like period. And so like to your point, when Janet had Nipplegate, she did not fall off with us. She was still being booked. You mm-hmm. know, like she was like she still had support. Even fuck, even the complicated nature of like Michael. You know what I'm saying? Like he still had so much black support. Yeah. You know? Remember hell when Chris Tucker was like, I want to be in a Michael video. You know, like, I'm okay with Michael. You know, like, he was, um, there was almost like a like a rehabilitation from a bunch of Black artists. Yeah. Like, with him, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I, I just think that there is so much to understand about what the Jackson family mean, like, mm-hmm. mean to Black people. And what Janet Jackson, specifically, means to Black people as a product of that. And what she means to Black women. 
You know, I just think like, damn, I could have got 10 minutes on (laughs) at least 10 minutes on that. Yeah. To your point, like Janet has a much stronger sort of constellation of like black support. Um, And also like, I don't know, I felt like toward the end of the documentary. Oh, so after the Nipplegate thing kind of like put curtains on Janet's music career for a little while, you know, social media, people started supporting (laughs) Janet. It's like, no, 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 no. Like some of we were, we were, she, we was there. We were there. (laughs) And I know she knows that. Maybe they didn't know how to express it, but we was there. Okay. I was there. We were there. We were there. We supported Jan. We had her back. But I don't, the thing that I know that you and I both wanted the most from the documentary and that when it was in the documentary, like you said, it was electrifying. We're just those flashes of Janet's genius. Mm. Yes. Janet is one of the best performers alive. She's one of the best performers I've ever seen. And though I wanted more of how that like came through and how that was expressed, I loved seeing what we did get. I loved seeing her have those tense moments in the studio with Jimmy Jam and Terry. And I loved seeing her learning choreography or being with Tina Landon or Paula Abdul. I loved seeing her, you know, expressing doubts sometimes about, you know, Mm -hmm. whether what she was doing was the right thing, was it the right direction, what should be next. Like I loved seeing her in that zone and just really being a true creative. Like there are so many people who join show business as the family business, but it was amazing to see that she blossomed into an artist. Um, Mm -hmm. She blossomed into a true artist. And I wish that we could have spent more time on that because like everything that she was able to accomplish in her career and how iconic all of it was, iconic all of it was, there's more under there. I think that we would like to know about that has nothing to do with her personal life or her family of origin. There's so much that we want to know about her as an artist that we saw a little bit from what Renee Elizondo had filmed, but I wish there had been more. Clearly he was shooting everything, maybe too much, but like, like there's a moment where uh, Janet has to be like, yo, you need to stop filming my mama. And I felt that. I felt that in that moment. (laughs) I was like, Renee, you should stop. You're in danger. Uh, But you know, I, I do wonder what else we would get to see. Well, you know, it, it reminds me of this, something that we, it's been floating around. Maybe we'll do a longer episode on it later. Like, who is a genius? Who gets to be called a genius? And yeah. I remember maybe Aretha passing. I think Aretha dying. I started to see people refer to her as a genius, which she absolutely was. But that idea of an artistic genius, um, especially as it pertains to music, which can be a collaborative art form, right? In a way that maybe painting or sculpting or something like that isn't, or acting um, Mm -hmm. isn't in the same way. But like, there was genius to the way that Janet put herself together and expressed Mm -hmm. herself. And I wish that artists, especially female artists, understood that the more of that stuff that you share, the more it fortifies that idea um, I don't know, like people, like the documentary is only four hours long and it focused a lot on her life story, which is good. But for somebody who's been as impactful as Janet has been, I would like to see that level of interpretation and contextualization of her work in her different eras. Um, because there are so many people right now who have built empires off of her influence. Yeah, I mean... It seems like the 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 obvious one, especially people are talking about, and she's claimed her, uh-huh. um, is like Britney. I said Beyonce and was corrected. I don't know. No, no, no. I, don't... I said I okay. didn't disagree. I actually brought up Beyonce saying that <laughs> I think that I brought up Beyonce okay. saying that I think that Britney is really Janet's daughter, as we discussed. <laughs> okay, yeah. But I think that Beyonce, obviously, you don't have Beyonce if you don't have Janet first. Mm-hmm. But I also think, though, that like when I think about her performance style, mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of Janet DNA in there. But as time passes, I see a lot more of Michael influence on Beyonce. Sierra, also mm-hmm. Janet's daughter. Mm-hmm. For real, for real. I mean, we could go on forever and You probably ever. could keep making this list. I'm curious, like for you, we talked a lot about like just the type of artistic contextualization that like I think we desire like lately and I'm curious like what are the docs for you that got it right that you might have wanted this to be a bit more like what I was expecting was something like similar to what Beyonce gives us now somebody who has a lot of control over their image doesn't like to share a lot with us but is going to give us some artistry 
and a little bit of her personal life, but in a very curated fashion. That is what I was expecting to see from the Janet documentary was like, and also too, the documentary was very biographical to me Mm -hmm. in the way that it was set up. Whereas something I will say about Beyonce's documentaries is they are really well-directed and very stylized in a specific way Mm -hmm. um, where you feel like you're getting a very specific narrative. I felt like with Janet's, I wasn't sure what narrative I was getting other than this is Janet's life and here are the highlights and a couple lowlights. I think I expected something almost like the the Whitney docs. I mean, those are kind of very different depending upon which one had the family and which one didn't. But I think Mm -hmm. in those you got a bit more of Whitney's personality in a way that I really appreciated because mm. I was somebody who was grew up a Whitney fan, but there was a, like a distance to her that, you know, could be, uh, I think, hard to latch on to. And so I thought like that was such a great way to kind of bring who Whitney was as a person into view a bit. You know, obviously there's a lot that both of them didn't quite get into or lightly touched on. So I, th- I thought I was going to get, I think a bit, more of that but watching it mm. actually what i strangely wanted was something closer to like oj made in america yes um <laughs> i just kept like thinking so much about the context that all of these massive moments were happening in made me feel like they were being undervalued and something i thought that uh oj made in america did really well was explained to you, no, before we can tell you the story, you have, mm-hmm. to, like, you have to understand the context that this shit happened in. And at every point as they move through the story, that was important to them. And so I think that Janet Jackson, and I don't say this hyperbolically, you could tell a lot of the story of stardom in over the, like, the 80s, or shit, you could go back. You, know, mm-hmm. you could tell the story mm-hmm. of black stardom to a degree, like through Janet Jackson. And in in that, you know, you're going to talk about sexism, you're going to talk about racism, you're going to talk about body image, you're going to talk about how music has changed, you're going to talk about creating aesthetics, and there's so much around all of that that is interesting. So yeah, sign me up, give me the fucking five hour or however long that that, uh, Mm. OJ Doc was long. OJ was like seven hours. Seven hours. (laughs) Put that shit in my vein because I, I, I would absolutely watch it. I think that one day we're going to get something like that. Have I ever told you that one of the reasons why I want to live a long life, not just so that I can enjoy, you know, my family and being alive, um, mm-hmm. those are cool, but I also want to have a long life so that I can outlive many celebrities and learn <laughs> all their gossip. I wish I was not that person, but I totally am that person. And I do think that at some point, maybe as Janet gets like older, she might decide like, okay, now I'm going to tell my truth. And maybe a really incredible Black documentarian like gets a little access and is able to make something like maybe some akin to like the Tina documentary that was on HBO last year that was really, really, yeah, really good. That was awesome. But yeah, maybe it'll just be like more time because a part of me is like, right now, Janet's like, my child is three or two or whatever. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. I said what I said. Bye. She's like, but, yeah, but come back later. I want the documentary that you described because I just think that like, There's There's a lot. There's so much. But I don't know. This discussion has really built the case for me that, like, you're absolutely right. Like, Janet is the prism through which we should be looking through a lot of this stuff. She's she's a rich text. She is very rich. Very that girl. And you know, Janet. I'm look. Like I said, I'm happy with what she gave us because normally she don't talk to us that much. And I I, I suppose now that I've seen the documentary, I can understand why. But <laughs> it was fun to watch. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you just take the four hours and sit down and watch it. It was fun to watch and see Janet grow up on screen. But um, look, I could have taken four, six, ten hours more. And because Janet deserves it. She's mm-hmm. an icon. She is a legend. She is the moment. And hopefully one day we will get that in-depth, thirst-quenching, you know, look at her life and career and her artistry that we're hoping for. Yeah. Janet, I love you. Thank you. I love you, girl. Thank you for all that you you. have done. This wasn't it, but I don't blame you. And Mm -mm. it's cool. No, We're still Mm -hmm. good. And if you decide to say more later, I'm still there. Yep. What do you think? We would love to know (laughs) what what you guys (laughs) think. Tell us your thoughts. (laughs) Clearly, we have a lot. At For Colored Nerds, you know where to find us. Mm -hmm. Till next week. 
Till next week. Bye. For Colored Nerds was created by me, Brittany Luce, and Eric Eddings. It's supported by our production team at Stitcher, including producer Alexis Williams and social producer Elise Ellis. Marcus Hobb is our engineer and Peter Clowney is head of content. Our theme music is by Willie Green. And look, y'all, we love hearing from our listeners. We love you all so much. So please connect with us and tell us what you thought of this episode. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at For Colored Nerds. And never miss an episode by following us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Cheers to a great day and this ice cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. We can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.